Welcome to the One God Report podcast. This episode is called Jesus and John the Baptist. John chapter 1 is not about the Genesis creation. A commentary on the Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We will jump right in to John chapter 1, verse 4, for commentary on verses 1 through 3. Check out the previous One God Report podcasts. I understand the verb at the end of verse 3 to go with the beginning of verse 4. That which came to be in him was life. Just as through the first man, Adam, also through the second man, Jesus, life came to be. John's gospel is concerned with the resurrection, eternal life, of the next age that came to be in the man, Jesus Christ. Let's just read John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. That which came to be in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. I think these verses negate any interpretation of John chapter 1 that suggests that the Logos, the Word, is either a divine figure or an abstract idea which was involved in the Genesis 1 creation. Go ahead, read John 1, 4-13, and see if you think that the man Christ Jesus and his ministry is being introduced, or is John the Baptist testifying about a pre-human person or pre-human concept? It should be evident to everyone that while the words life and light in John 1, 4-5 have parallels to the Genesis creation. The Genesis creation is not under discussion here. Instead, the life and the light here in John chapter 1 verses 4 to 5 directly refer to the man Christ Jesus, who is the subject of this gospel. Sure, there are intentional parallels to the light of Genesis 1 and also of Exodus chapter 10. But John chapter 1 directly describes the light that still shines in the life of the raised from the dead man, Jesus Christ. Those who insist that the phrase, in the beginning of John 1.1, refers directly to the Genesis creation and that the Gospel of John's prologue is a commentary on the Genesis creation, I think even they unconsciously know the topic switched somehow from the supposed Genesis creation in the first three verses of John's Gospel to the life and light of men, the man Jesus Christ, that shines in the darkness, described here in verses 4 and 5. Why is the life and the light and the darkness here in John, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Not also the life and light and the darkness mentioned in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. And why in Genesis did light precede human life? But here in John's gospel, the life was the light of men. The truth is, the life and light and darkness of John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, is not the life and light and darkness of Genesis chapter 1. Rather, it is the life and light in the man, Jesus Christ, that still shines in the darkness. Is this not obvious? 
Again, the life and light and darkness described in John chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, relate to the man Christ Jesus, not to the Genesis creation. And the person that the Gospel of John is describing was life, resurrection life. And that resurrection life was light. And that light was the light of men. That light still continues to shine. The darkness did not overcome it. Folks, the topic is God's work in Jesus Christ, not the Genesis creation. Jump ahead for just a second to verses 6 through 8, where we are told that John the baptizer was not the light. Shouldn't that be rather obvious that John the baptizer was not the light of Genesis chapter 1, verse 3? The appearance of John the baptizer at all in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, is problematic for any Genesis creation interpretation of John chapter 1. The declaration that John the baptizer was not the light is an insurmountable exegetical roadblock for any Genesis creation interpretation of John 1. Here, early in the prologue, John the baptizer is being contrasted not with the light of Genesis chapter 1, but with the person whose name will be given shortly, the man Jesus Christ. In verses 8 and 9, we learn that John the baptizer was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. John the baptizer was not the light. Well, you don't say. The baptizer wasn't the light that preceded and was involved in the creation of the universe? Well, we can certainly be glad that the author of the Gospel of John clarified that for us. I'm being sarcastic, of course. John the baptizer was being contrasted not with the light of Genesis chapter 1, but with a person whom this Gospel is all about, the man, Christ Jesus Let's say that again. John the baptizer is not being contrasted with the light of Genesis chapter 1. Neither did John the baptizer come to bear witness to the light of Genesis chapter 1. John the baptizer came to bear witness to the light, the man, Jesus Christ. There should be no doubt that the prologue of John is introducing the life and light that was in the man, Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ was life, and his life was the light of men. Now, let's come back to verse 4. This life that the gospel presents, verse 4 says, was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Now, how does this verse apply to the Genesis creation account? The simple answer is, it does not. It applies to the life and light in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness. Note the present tense verb, the first present tense verb in this gospel. In the prologue, the author is in the main introducing and summarizing real events that happened in the past, real events which he is about to describe in more detail in his gospel. 
But these real events connected to the life of Jesus reveal to us who God is and the life of Jesus on earth, which happened in the real past, continues to affect the present. The light shines in the darkness, John 1.5 says. That is, the light of revelation, of promise and hope for mankind, that the ministry and life of the raised from the dead man, Jesus Christ, gives to human beings, still shines. The work of God through the man, Jesus Christ, is the light that still shines in the darkness. Not Genesis chapter 1, life and light. In verse 9, there's another present tense verb connected with the shining light, the true light that enlightens every man. This is Jesus Christ, the light that enlightens every kind of man. This is not Genesis chapter 1 light. One other important observation from verse 5. Verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Let's think about this phrase, the darkness did not overcome it. The verb here, translated overcome, is not real easy to translate. Some English translations have, the darkness did not comprehend it. But it is best to understand the verb as overcome in this case. Let me read a note from the New English Translation Bible that I see agrees with other commentators on this word. Here's the NET note. For the word to mean comprehend, darkness must be understood as meaning certain people, or perhaps humanity at large, darkened in understanding. But in John's usage, darkness is not normally used of people or a group of people. Rather, it usually signifies the evil environment or sphere in which people find themselves. John 3.19, they loved darkness rather than light. Those who follow Jesus do not walk in darkness, John 8.12. They are able to walk while they have light, lest the darkness overcome them. That's the same verb as here, John 12.35. For John, with his set of symbols and imagery, darkness is not something which seeks to understand or comprehend the light, but represents the forces of evil which seek to overcome or conquer it. That's the end of the quote. So this verb, overcome, is in a Greek tense called the aorist tense, which is best understood as referring to a single occasion in the past. Darkness did not overcome it at a specific point in time. What the author of the gospel most likely has in mind here is the death by crucifixion of Jesus Christ at Calvary. There, the light of life came into conflict with the darkness of death, and darkness did not prevail. Darkness did not overcome it. The commandment of God for mankind, eternal life, like Jesus says in John 12, 50, God's commandment is eternal life. And the light of hope that that commandment gives to mankind, all the forces of darkness together could not annul. Now, this is exactly the kind of thing we hear the apostles Peter and Paul describe over and over again in their sermons in the book of Acts. They say, 
Jesus the Messiah was put to death, but God, the God of our fathers, raised him from the dead. He is alive. You can see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 to 24, chapter 3, verses 15 to 17, chapter 4, verse 10, chapter 5, verse 30 to 31, chapter 10, verses 38 to 40, chapter 13, verses 28 to 33, etc. So here we have already, in John 1, 5, a reference to Calvary, the death and resurrection of the man, Jesus Christ. Darkness did not overcome light. Jesus was raised from the dead, and the light shines in the darkness. It is interesting to see the deity of Christ theologians commenting on these passages in John chapter 1. Some may try to interpret these verses in the context of the Genesis creation, but they inevitably forget that they are supposed to interpret all these verses in John 1 as describing the Genesis creation. They see the man and ministry of Jesus Christ being laid out before them here because it is obvious that that is who the gospel is introducing. And the deity of Christ interpreters also tend to forget that all these verses describing Jesus and the baptizer occur before the supposed, quote, incarnation birth of God, unquote, which they take to occur in verse 14. The Gospel of John is not introducing the life, light, and darkness of Genesis 1 or of some other period in Israel's history. The life, light, and darkness of John chapter 1 allude to and parallel Genesis and the light for Israel in Egypt. But John is not directly commenting on Genesis or Exodus. We might ask, why did the author of the Gospel of John make allusions to Genesis and Exodus with words like life, light, darkness? I suggest an answer. Because the author shows the continuity between Old Testament sacred history and the New Testament. The God who made and gave life and light to his people in both Genesis and Exodus the God of our fathers, as he is called in the New Testament, is the same God who brought life and light to mankind through Jesus Christ. We might put it this way. The God of Jesus is the God of Moses. In addition, we might wonder why the author of this gospel begins by referring to Jesus with symbols and metaphors like the word, life, and light. I suggest there are at least two reasons for this. First, in this gospel, the author liked to apply metaphorical and symbolic language to Jesus to make spiritual truths more concrete. The author described Jesus as the lamb, the bread, the door, the shepherd, the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection. So, also, using a term like logos, or the word, as a title for Jesus, shows that the human Jesus is the communication or revelation of God to humankind. Like the word in the Old Testament, Jesus is the source of recreation life for humankind. 
And Jesus is the revelation light that gives hope and leads to salvation. Secondly, the author introduced Jesus as the Word, the life, and light here in the prologue, since he is preparing to give more details in the body of his gospel to prove how the man, Christ Jesus, is the Word, the life, and the light. And that leads to the next topic. The words and themes in the prologue are elucidated in the body of the Gospel of John. Many of the words and themes that the prologue introduces are repeated and developed in the body of the Gospel of John and are associated specifically to the man, Jesus the Messiah. This is evidence that the logos and other terms of the prologue, like light and life, refer to the man, Jesus Christ, and not to some pre-creation person or concept. All these words and ideas of the prologue, the beginning, word, life, light, darkness, the baptizer's testimony, and more phrases about to appear in the prologue, like coming into the world, coming to his own, his own not receiving him. Some did receive him, believing in his name, being born of God. All these concepts are introduced in the first 13 verses of the prologue and then expanded on in the body of the gospel in connection to Jesus and his ministry. Let's also keep in mind, all these ideas are applied to Jesus Christ in the prologue before he supposedly, quote, became flesh, unquote, in verse 14 as the deity of Christ interpretation would have us believe, that the ministry of the man Jesus Christ is surveyed in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, is irreconcilable with the deity of Christ interpretation, that John chapter 1, verse 14, supposedly describes the birth incarnation of, quote, God the Son. Could it be that verse 14, the word was flesh, doesn't mean what deity of Christ's proponents think it means? In any case, the introduction of words and themes like life and light and darkness in the prologue of John's gospel, which are then applied to Jesus and his ministry in the body of the gospel of John, is evidence that the prologue is as well describing the man, Jesus Christ. For example, Let's take the word life, which is mentioned two times here in verse 4. Quote, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now we find the word life some 45 more times in the body of the Gospel of John. Life is a very important theme to this Gospel writer, and the life in this Gospel is most often the eternal life that is associated with the ministry and person of the man, Jesus Christ. Here are just a few examples. John chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says that whoever believes in the one whom God sent will not perish, but will have eternal life. In John 5, 26, Jesus said, As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. John 5.40, 
Jesus told those who opposed him, You refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus said in John 6, 35 and 48, I am the bread of life. John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said to Martha in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 17, 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 20, verse 31, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It doesn't do justice to the author of the Gospel of John to think that the life being introduced in the prologue is not the same life that he attributes to the man Jesus Christ in the body of the Gospel. The parallel statements between the prologue and the subsequent chapters of the Gospel tie the prologue directly to the rest of the Gospel. This is unavoidable evidence that the prologue is about the person, the man, Jesus Christ. Light and darkness. We see the same link between the light and darkness introduced in the prologue to the light and darkness reiterated in the body of the gospel. In John chapter 1, the author mentions light in verses 4, 5, 7, 8, and 9. That's five verses out of the 18 verses of the prologue. We see in verses 6, 7, and 8 that John the baptizer was not the light, but that he came to bear witness to the light. Then, guess what? In the body of the gospel, we are told explicitly that the man Jesus Christ is the light. John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. This is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 9, verse 5, As long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John chapter 12, verse 35 to 36. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overcome you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. John chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus said, I have come as light into the world, that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So the life, the light, and darkness of the Gospel of John, which are introduced in the prologue and reiterated in the body of the Gospel, are the light and life associated with the man Christ Jesus in a dark world not the life, light, and darkness 
of Genesis chapter 1. It seems that anyone who interprets John chapter 1 as referring to the Genesis creation is either ignoring or has forgotten the words of Jesus in John 8:12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's move on to John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, as we will contemplate again why John the baptizer is introduced so early in John's gospel, just like he is in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Here's John chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This one came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. That the ministry of John the baptizer is explicitly introduced in verse 6 of John's prologue is very strong evidence that the entire prologue, including in the beginning in John 1.1, is not the Genesis beginning, but the new beginning in Jesus. As we've looked at in podcast number seven, John chapter one, verse one, Jesus is the beginning of God's new creation. The phrase, the beginning in the gospel of John and in many other places in the New Testament refers not to the Genesis creation, but to the new beginning inaugurated with Jesus, the Messiah. That the ministry of John the baptizer is explicitly introduced so early in John's prologue is also very strong evidence that the logos, the word in John 1.1 and the light in John 1.4 are references to the human person, Jesus the Messiah, who will be named in verse 17. The baptizer came to bear witness to Jesus, not to abstract or pre-incarnate light. John the Baptist is contrasted and said specifically not to be that light. It's pretty obvious that the gospel is not comparing John to the light in Genesis chapter 1, but to the man whom this gospel calls the light of the world, Jesus Christ. For anyone who thinks that John chapter 1 is describing the Genesis creation, John the baptizer's presence in verses 6, 7, and 8 in the prologue is a strange, out-of-place interruption. One might even say an embarrassment. Let me quote a well-respected evangelical scholar, Leon Morris, in his book, The New International Commentary on the New Testament, The Gospel According to John, page 87. Morris writes, It is curious, at first sight, that there should be this mention of John the Baptist in the prologue. There's no difficulty about his appearing in the narrative sections, but it is certainly perplexing to find him in this brief introduction to the teaching of the gospel, I suggest the baptizer's early appearance in the prologue is curious and perplexing to commentators like Leon Morris because they have brought incorrect presuppositions to the text, thinking that the gospel begins with the description of the Genesis creation. If the beginning, 
that the Gospel of John opens with is the same beginning as the other Gospels, the new beginning in the Gospel of the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, then it makes perfect sense why the baptizer is introduced here in the prologue and given such a prominent place in the rest of chapter 1. The baptizer is a central feature in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ, not in the Genesis creation. There is nothing curious or perplexing about the baptizer's presence in John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. That the baptizer's ministry is so early and prominently put forth in the prologue is strong evidence that the prologue is about the beginning of Jesus' ministry and that the word and light of the prologue are the person, Jesus the Messiah, who's named in chapter 1, verse 17. Now let's look a little bit closer at chapter 1, verse 6, which reads, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The word translated as was, there was a man sent from God, is the same word that is translated with deity of Christ bias as was made or was created in verse 3. But the word does not have any sense of being created from nothing. We looked at this in the previous podcast. There's no Greek word created or was created in John chapter 1 at all. English translations that give a creation sense to the word in John chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 10 are biased. As we've seen in podcast number 29, verse 3 is better translated as all things that happened or came about through him, not all things that were made through him. As seen here in verse 6, the word is best translated as was, or sometimes came to be, happened, or came on the scene. Here it's simply, there was a man sent from God. Now, sent from God. To be sent from God does not carry with it any connotation of pre-existence. Rather, to be sent from God means to be commissioned, authorized, and equipped of God. The prophets were sent by God. Not only the prophet John was sent from God, but one of the main themes of this gospel is that Jesus the Messiah was sent by God. Now, verse 7. This one came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. As we've already described in podcast number 29, this one in verse 7 contrasts with this one in verse 2. In verse 2, which starts out, this one was in the beginning with God, and in him was life and light. But here in verse 7, by contrast, this one, the prophet John, was sent from God to bear witness about the light. The contrast between this one in verse 2 and this one in verse 7 is a contrast between two human persons, Jesus and John the prophet. The verb tenses of came and to bear witness about the light relate that the testimony of John is already done and accomplished 
historical fact. This is the sense of most of the verbs in John's prologue. The author is introducing the events associated with the life of Jesus that occurred in the not-too-distant past. The few exceptions where present-tense verbs appear show how the accomplished historical events associated with Jesus have bearing on the present, like, the light shines in the darkness. Now the next phrase in verse 7, that all might believe through him. Concerning the phrase at the end, through him, there is ambiguity as to whom him refers to. Is it through Jesus, the light, or is it through the baptizer? It is best understood as through the baptizer, who testified about and pointed people to the man Christ Jesus. People could believe in Jesus through the baptizer's testimony. Then verse 8 says, he was not the light. Let's reiterate one more time that the author is not contrasting John the baptizer with a pre-incarnate person, nor a pre-incarnate concept, but with the man Christ Jesus, who we know in the gospel is the light of the world. It would be silly for the author to clarify for us that John the baptizer was not the light, if the light referred to either a pre-incarnate person or an abstract idea present at the Genesis creation. Rather, the contrast between the prophet John the baptizer and the light makes perfect sense if John is being compared to the man Jesus Christ. Verse 8 continues and says, He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John did not come to bear witness to a pre-incarnate Genesis creation light. Rather, the prophet John bore witness to the light of the world, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Man, Jesus the Messiah, from Nazareth. So in review, the life and light in the darkness introduced in John chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, refer to the man, Jesus Christ, and his ministry in the darkness which mankind finds himself in, not to the Genesis creation. The man and ministry of Jesus the Messiah is life, in which is light that still shines. The darkness tried to overcome the light by putting Jesus Christ to death on a cross, but the darkness was not able to overcome the light, as Jesus' death led to resurrection into eternal life. The darkness did not overcome the light, is a reference already in John 1.5 to the death and resurrection of the man Jesus Christ from Nazareth, not to some pre-Genesis event. Next, the reiteration in the body of the gospel of terms used in the prologue, like word, life, light, and darkness, is evidence that the prologue is introducing the man and ministry of Jesus the Messiah from Nazareth. The man, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. Interpreting John chapter 1 as describing the Genesis creation doesn't work or ends up being a confusion and contradiction since somewhere between verses 3 and 4, the author supposedly switched 
from describing the Genesis creation to introducing the life and light in the person he's about to describe, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Also, the deity of Christ interpretation is confusing as it must postulate that the ministries of Jesus and John the Baptizer being described in verses 3 through 13 are described before the supposed incarnation described in John 1.14. A much better way to understand all of the prologue of the Gospel of John is to interpret it as an introduction to the man Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is the main topic of the book. The testimony ministry of John the Baptizer has no business being introduced in John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, and verse 15, if the beginning of John 1.1 refers directly to the Genesis creation as the Greek philosophers understood it, referring to some pre-human logos, some pre-human word. Rather, the ministry of John the baptizer, his testimony to the light, and the contrast statement that John was not the light is evidence that the prologue is about the man Jesus and his ministry, and that the beginning of John 1.1 is the new beginning of God in the life of the Messiah Jesus. In a future podcast, we plan to continue the study of the prologue of the Gospel of John. Does John 1.14 really say that God took on human flesh or he became man? This is Bill Schlegel for the One God Report podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help others to find us and share the podcast on social media. For constructive discussion, you are welcome to join the One God Report Facebook group. Yishma'u anavim ve'yishma'u. The humble will hear and rejoice.